So today it's the seventh day of this retreat. It's also the 5th of August 2022. So for us practitioners, something that's important are the precepts. So we keep the five precepts normally, and if we have the time, the opportunity, then we keep the eight precepts. Just like coming here for this meditation retreat. Um, that this gives us convenience, it makes our lives easier keeping these eight precepts, it gives us more time to develop mindfulness and to meditate. Because we're not doing much external work, so therefore we don't have to use as much energy as we normally do. Our brains don't have to be as active as normal. So we can eat just twice and that can feel very comfortable. It also helps us to cultivate samadhi, it makes this easier as well. Because if we eat in the evening and then we try to sit in meditation, there can be a lot of drowsiness because the body is working at digesting that food. So two hours after eating, it's not uh, so convenient for the body to be meditating. It's only after those two hours that it can really meditate well. So these precepts are important, the five precepts, and this is a great form of merit. And these five precepts are that which receives and accommodates the mind of a sotapanna. And they need to have those five precepts as their foundation. Like Lady Visaka, Anandapindika and his children, or so many of the kings, during the time of the Buddha, like King Bimbisara and his followers, they had these five precepts and devoted to building up goodness with these precepts as their foundation. So they also were intent on developing mindfulness, on making their samadhi firm and giving rise to wisdom. So for us, both those of us who have just begun to practice and also those who have been practicing for a long time. It's like we're still swimming against the current of the water. And if the current isn't so strong, then we'll be able to do that at times. Perhaps we'll have to take a break and then we can carry on swimming upstream again and then stop and then swim again until eventually we reach the Dhamma. But if the current is really strong, like if there was a big storm that blew and a lot of rain, and it's a very strong current, then it may be that our energy of mindfulness, samadhi and wisdom is not yet enough. We try to have that effort, we try to swim, but the flow of the water is strong. And we don't have enough energy to do that. And so in that case, then we need to kind of 
uh, avoid that first or get away first, try to develop our samadhi first. Because we may not be able to have enough strength of wisdom to contemplate at those times, like contemplating into the sense experiences that we meet with, contemplating into the sights and sounds and taste odors, tactile sensations and these feelings that arise within the heart, that all of these sense impressions, they're too strong for us. And when they're really strong, then it's possible that the samadhi that we once had starts to deteriorate because greed, hatred and delusion have more power. So then what do we do? Well, we need to try and kind of get away first to give ourselves the opportunity to develop samadhi first. And if there's nothing we can do, then we forbear. We show self-restraint. We may want to start shouting and scolding and abusing. There may be a lot of stress and tension in our brains, but we need to forbear first. It's normal when there's a lot of tension there, the brain will give orders to the body to start acting and speaking in ways to, to kind of fight, to harm other people. And this is what things are really like uh, nowadays. There are people in society, and maybe just a few of them say something which isn't so good or say something that offends someone else, but just a bit. And they can really harm one another due to that, even kill one another, take each other's lives. Use whatever methods they can to try and get benefits for themselves. So if we have work to do, if we have to take care of our family, then already that's a lot of duties. So what we need to do then is try to keep these precepts well. It's like if we have these things, then we can be drunk on these things that we have, on our family, on other people. And if we don't have the... and we can become lost, we can lose our way quite easily. And if we don't have the other of the four precepts, um, then that will really reduce our mindfulness. And a lot of destruction will result. So if sila dhamma doesn't return to this world, uh, then the world will be in a chaotic state. Like for us here, that there's a hundred or so people who have come now in this hall to practice the dhamma, and we're staying together with peace. Even though there's a lot of us, and even if there were more people than this, then there would still be peace. And because we've established our hearts well, because we're kalyana chanas, people with beautiful hearts. So if, or for those people who just follow all of their desires and their wants and their feelings, then their minds are not much different from the minds of animals. Because that's what animals are like. If they have an emotion that comes up, then they just act out of that. Their mindfulness is extremely weak. 
And it's very hard to find an animal that has the mindfulness and wisdom to not harm others. Because that kind of an animal needs to have a lot of barami to be able to do that. And there was once one of the Krubhajans, one of the great teachers, who was in the forest and he met with a group of elephants. And this was in uh, Ayutthaya province. And it looked like those elephants were going to harm him. And he thought that he was going to die for sure. But one of the elephants, who was a bodhisattva, came to help him. And none of the other elements dared to come any closer to him. So it's really difficult uh, to find a being like this, an animal that has barami like this. For us, we should work to have mindfulness in order to look after our humanity. Because if we're lacking in that, then we can fall lower than a human. So we maintain our precepts to maintain the level of our minds. And sila, as virtue, is something that's very important. So before we make offerings, then we take the precepts. Before we meditate, we can take the precepts in their own heart. And then we also, while we're meditating, we can engage in generosity as well, in giving the gift of our forgiveness. We abandon the ill will in our minds. And so tapanas, they still have anger. Uh, but there's not a lot of anger. And they also don't have any thoughts of wanting to harm. There's still anger there due to some delusion in the mind. But they've also seen that all rupa and nama, its physicality, mentality, is not me. Sanya, its perception or memory, is not me. Sometimes they can remember things, sometimes they can't. But they're aware of that, they know that. And sankara, this proliferation or mental formations, the sotapanas, three inches, have seen into that already. The meritorious and demeritorious things, they know that that is not me. But there's still proliferation about creating goodness through their body, through their speech, and they're always ready to do good deeds and ready to create skillful acts, meritorious acts. If there's any harmful state in their mind, or harmful state that has arisen, then they try to abandon that. For those yet to arise, they put an effort for them to not arise. And also if any meritorious state comes up, then they look after that, they nurture that, they nurture that. Constantly trying to promote and develop their generosity, their virtue and their meditation. If they get angry, then they forgive. Because they see that all of us are friends friends in birth, friends in aging and sickness and death, that all of us have our own kinds of suffering. So they don't wish to harm one another because of this kindness there in their heart. And also their devotion to developing samadhi, to making the mind peaceful. And when our minds are at peace, then we can see all things as being conventions. We're able to perceive that. So something that can arise within our practice, that we make the mind calm 
and then contemplate into the nature of physical and mental things, seeing how they're anicca, dukkha, anatta, how they're changing and suffering and not self. So for some practitioners, this is the method that they use, contemplating first. Whenever our eyes see a form, then we know that's just form. That it's not a being, not me, not other. We just know the nature of it. All sights, sounds, tastes, odors, tactile sensations and thoughts, they're just that. And so we know that. We also know vijnana, the sense consciousness that arises, that that's not self. So you have this mindfulness and this awareness of these things. Whatever arises, or physical and mental things, we see them as being anicca, dukkha, anatta. Then the mind is able to separate out from its objects. So we can use these thoughts and even this proliferation to develop wisdom and also to bring our minds to peace. Another way is to develop this peace first. So using the samatha methods of buddho or focusing on the breath in order to bring the mind to stillness. Another way of doing this is reflecting upon death and reciting that life is not sure, but death is sure. And there are many other samatha methods that we can use. Some people are more proficient at contemplating a suba, the unattractive nature of the body. And so we can contemplate in line with any of those. And these are methods that we use to bring about peace in our meditation. So there's no need to doubt about this. Because it's just this one single path. It's just sila, samadhi and panya. It's virtue, collectedness and wisdom. It's just that when the teachers teach, they do so in line with the methods that they've found, that they've used. But if we bring it all together, it's developing peace of mind, bringing the mind to peace. Contemplating the body, seeing it as being a heap of suffering seeing just the nature of physicality and mentality, seeing the nature of the five khandhas, that they're not self, seeing the body as being a heap of something unattractive or being a heap of elements. And so we can take any of these methods and use them, these contemplation methods or using buddha to bring the mind to peace. So there are these two ways, but they also both depend upon each other. And when the mind is peaceful, then we will be able to develop vipassana as insight. And the objects that give rise to that are seeing sankharas, these compounded uh, phenomena, as being anicca, dukkha, anatta. So we can contemplate first until the mind is brought to peace. And when it's already at peace, then we contemplate once more, and here wisdom can arise. So this also brings us to the point of seeing the Dhamma. And when practitioners have got to this point, then there's no arguments anymore. And perhaps someone who's developing wisdom, they may talk with someone who's developing samatha, as calm, and may say to them that, well, you're just developing peace. Your mind still, you've got the samadhi, but you're stuck on this level of samadhi and there's no wisdom there. 
And they may think that I'm developing wisdom, I've got a lot of wisdom. But really that wisdom is just the wisdom that comes from thinking. The wisdom that arises out of peace, they have yet to experience that. But when anyone does experience that, that's when they will see the Dhamma. So when one sees the Dhamma, then we see that it's all just one thing. It's one stream, and the minds come to this point of purity and emptiness. So for those who have seen the Dhamma, then they understand already. They've seen that the self is not self. So we can try touching our left hand with our right hand and feeling the bones there under the skin or the different bones and the different fingers. Why is it that we take all of these to be me? Or the teeth in our mouths? Why do we take each of these teeth to be me? If we take them out of our mouth, then they don't claim to be me, they don't claim to be anything. Once we take out all the organs from this body, they make no claims, they're just elements following the course of nature. So we can ask ourselves each day, ask ourselves that these teeth in my mouth, are they actually me? If they're me, then why do they need to deteriorate? Why do they need to decay? Why do they get cavities? And then when our teeth die, and they get pulled, we see that they're not actually me. But if we attach to them as being me, as being mine, and then this is what delusion does, the force of attachment does this, and this becomes the cause for suffering to arise. But for stream interest, they've seen clearly that this isn't the case, this isn't me. So, may all of us. So, and then from that, then they'll set their hearts on the practice, developing their minds to higher levels, developing samadhi so that it becomes deeper and deeper. Starting off with these factors of vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ekakada, this initial and sustained application of the mind, joy, happiness, and one pointedness. And then next, the mind comes into a really full state of samadhi, where there's a lot of happiness there. And here we gain the energy to contemplate the body even more, seeing more clearly into its nature, how it's a heap of elements, and how there's just this kind of flow of, of heat or of fire through the body, the flow, the current of air or of water. And our contemplation gets more and more subtle. So this carries on becoming more and more clear till the mind becomes contented and we see that whatever it is that we attach to, that just brings us suffering. So we gain the wisdom to abandon the defilements. So may you practice until your mind has full mindfulness and full wisdom. And then vimuti, liberation, can appear. This nature of awakening, Buddha, arises. You see how it's all just one thing. The Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha all gather together as one thing. 
Here the mind has reached this nature of awakening, this Buddha. And then there's the ignorance doesn't hold sway over our minds anymore. But in the beginning this starts from the faith that we have in generosity, our efforts in keeping our precepts well, in developing samadhi and mindfulness until wisdom arises. And if we're not yet able to do all of that, then we make sure we maintain our virtue and forbear first. And this is the path that will develop our minds in order to meet with genuine happiness. <laughs>